Hey everybody, welcome back to Almost Sideways. My name is Adam and these are my daily notes where I have good sit-down conversations with fellow YouTubers or podcasters. And today we have a very awesome conversation, but I'm also joined by another Almost Sideways host, and that is my good friend, Mr. Terry Plucknett. Terry, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Adam? Uh, as always, always great to talk to you, movie, so I'm really excited. But let's introduce our special guest as well, and you... You probably know him if you're on t film Twitter or listening to awesome podcasts about movies. And he's the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, and that's Matt Neglia. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, everyone. I am very, very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, it went wrong slide. There we go. That's easy. There we go. I'm impressed. I'm impressed either way. I don't know what you got going on there. What voodoo, but it looks yeah. awesome. <laughs> I haven't used this yet either. This is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a newer uh, program that I found that it's, uh, I've, I've, I've liked so far. So still trying to work. We have it out. like oh, this but... Tron background going on right now. Like I'm, I'm digging it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, before we get too far started uh, off track, uh, Matt, where can we find you on uh, social media, and where are you streaming on your podcast? As well. Yeah, so I'm on social media everywhere at Next Best Picture. Uh, the podcast itself is anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. So they have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud. I mean, you name it, we're there. So Next Best Picture Podcast at nextbestpicture.com. Absolutely. Awesome. And, you know, we will, you could, we'll link all his stuff in the show notes of this episode on podcast and on YouTube as well. So make sure you guys check him out because there's some really awesome content that he uh, provides for you guys is there. Uh, so let's just jump right into the kind of the first question for you, Matt. You started your podcast in 2014. If I, if I saw that correctly or roughly around there. Uh, uh, a little, little, a little bit after that. A little, little bit yeah. after. Okay. okay. A little mm -hmm. too soon. Okay. Uh, what kind of what kind of inspired you to start your podcast to begin with? Uh, I I think like most people, you know, when they're starting to get into something as passionately as cinema, mm -hmm. they find very quickly that there's not a lot of people in their existing life that are as passionate. I mean, unless if you go to film school and you become buddies with people and you start making movies together with them and they're equally as passionate about what the, what it is that they do it's very, very rare that existing people that you grow up with in your life, people in your family will be as into it as you are. So like most people, I love this art form and I had no outlet for it. And I had no way to kind of like get it out of my system to talk about it. And that's something that I've always loved is I've loved the conversation, even, you know, going through like stages of ignorance. Uh, I definitely had a film bro era because <laughs> I mean, you know, let's face it, it's kind of almost inherent. I grew up in the <laughs> suburbs of Long Island, New York. Uh, and so it's been very a very interesting journey because, you know, it started off as just one thing. And I never in my wildest dreams expected it to grow to what it has become. I've never expected my place in this industry to kind of get to where it has gone either. Mm. I can't. I, I, I can't honestly tell you that it was like necessarily like a goal of mine. Like I am goal oriented and I have always said, Oh, it would be really cool to get this one day or this, but really for the most part, it's just always just been about bringing people together that really love movies. So that this way they too can have that same outlet that I was able to make for myself. And so I think that's where like the inspiration of it really came from was just wanting a place to talk. Um, 
I never in my wildest streams, like I said, thought that people would actually listen, but here we are. And so <laughs> now at this point, like it's grown into something so much more because now, you know, you start to formulate your identity, your brand, and also to your commitments and responsibilities to your audience out there. So even though I still have that same desire and that's never gone away, Mm-hmm. I definitely recognize that there is like some form of responsibility in regards to um, the listeners and what they want from our content. And we are trying to do our absolute best to still give it to them, not just in terms of discussing film awards, but also to just trying to cover all types of movies, whether they are streaming only or if they are big blockbusters, independent, foreign language, documentary, you name it. We ultimately try to cover it because at the end of the day, over at Next Best Picture, we don't see award season as a season. We see it as a 365 day a year yes. mentality of the next best picture could be right around the corner. That's, that's an awesome like call, kind of call to action too at the same time. So that's awesome. Uh, Terry, do you want, do you have any, uh, yeah. Well, first, first, I just want to say I'm a big fan. I listen to you guys every week uh, and you guys put out a ton of content and I don't get to all of it, but I do get to the, the main episodes every week. And, uh, and, those that listen to our podcast, I'll often say, well, in the awards race, I am hearing about this, or I am hearing about that. I'm just going to say it's, it's coming straight from next best picture. That's, <laughs> that's my resource. So I say, Hey, I, I'm hearing rumblings about this. I'm just quoting you. So just, uh, I'm just letting you know. Um, but uh, as, as I listen to your podcast, you've talked a lot over um, recently as we've been getting to the end of 2020, getting into 2021, about how much the community has meant especially during this crazy year of a pandemic. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of the, the humble beginnings of Next Best Picture, how how you grew your community, whether it be the listeners or the contributors, and kind of how that spark happened and how it's it's grown and how much they've been they've meant, especially over the last year. I definitely think that there is how do I say this? There is a song in uh, Hamilton called Nonstop. And ever since that show has landed on Disney Plus and more people have seen it, uh, I, I've been getting told with, you know, by the meme, man, the man is nonstop. And that's kind of what I am to a T is I am relentless in terms of how much I dedicate man hours wise to the website. Um, it is a 24-7 thing. I never put it down. I am constantly thinking about it the minute I wake up, the moment I go to sleep. It is something that for me is mostly a second job at this point. And it is something that, like, as I said before, I, I, I could have probably have treated it as this secondary thing that, you know, might have gone somewhere, might not have gone somewhere, could have gone any other way. But instead, I chose, I decided to prioritize it as the number one thing in my life. And that is not an easy decision to make. And most people sometimes can't make that decision. So in terms of like, how do I attribute like success? I attribute it to, you know, consistency, hard work, and also to surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you have, you know, interesting ideas and perspectives to bring to it. Because if you can foster a community of people with, you know, different perspectives and kind of bring them all together and, you know, really hone in on what is a commonality between all of you. And the commonality is our love for the art form of cinema or award season, whatever, you know, it is that we're discussing on a given uh, day. 
then I really think that you are able to achieve success because the, like the biggest thing that I find nowadays, especially is that everybody wants to get in for access, see free movies, you know, and so on and so forth. And it's like, I say this again, we just wanted to talk about it. We didn't have aspirations of this magnitude. We just wanted to come together and we just wanted to have a place to talk about the stuff that really got us excited. And, you know, we too were inspired by other awards pundits who had podcasts. And, um, you know, I I think the idea was, well, if we can never guest on their show, we'll just have our own show, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, because why would they ever want us to guest on their show? Right. We're, We're nobodies. Uh, so it's a lot of different factors, but I attribute it mostly to the people that I work with. And also the fact that I'm just not wired. Like most people, I really am like kind of certifiably insane. And, uh, you know, to your point before, just the amount of, uh, content and output that we have in terms of the podcast, the written posts and everything else that we do, like it really, really, really should not be this much, uh, given that I have other responsibilities in my life, believe it or not outside of this, but, it's it's the path that I've chosen. Yeah, those are those are some great points. I mean, we we have almostsideways.com and we've had our website up and it's a very basic website. We've had it up since 2008. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably about 80% of the time outside of the three or four of us that actually contribute to it, nobody else looks at it. It's more just kind of a reference for us, but it's like, hey, we'll throw it out there and if someone randomly discovers it. But really it's just been a hobby and since we've started the podcast it's, you know, we've worked at trying to get it to be more than that a little bit because now mm-hmm. we're actually putting something out there. It's like, well, we want someone to listen to this other than us. And so uh, mm-hmm. I, I get that. I get that thought of, it, you know, you've got to you've got to work at it. And it, it is a lot of work. It is. It, a lot is. Of work. it is. And, you know, I, like I said, it's also one of those things where it's like I'm consciously aware of what it is that we need to improve on, what can make things better. But at the same time, I you know, I'm not doing these things for any kind of like monetary reason or, you know, anything like that. Like one thing has led to another over time in terms of like success. And, you know, you just keep on plateauing and so on and so forth. And you realize you think you've hit the ceiling, but you realize, Oh no, there's still like more to achieve. And one thing just kind of leads to another. So I guess like we're going with the flow, you know, we're not so like hell bent on if I just get this one thing, like, you know, then it will all have been worth it. No, it, the journey has been worth it for its ups, its downs, its sideways turns. The entire journey, not the destination, is what makes it what it is in the end. And I, I once again, I have to attribute that to, you know, how much do you love what it is that you're doing? Uh, some people do it because they fell into it randomly. Some people do it for the perks and, you know, some of the access that they're given and so on and so forth. And some people just do it because they can't imagine doing anything else. And that's where I am. Like, I, I cannot imagine doing anything else. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you, you put out so much different things. And I know when I first started, I I didn't wasn't the greatest writer. And I feel like I like my writing skills aren't there. And that's when we were I first got into it almost sideways about seven years ago, just kind of as a third like a. I guess at this point, it was the three-man team at that point. So I'm like the fourth party as the fourth member uh, joining this team. and You became the fourth wheel, Adam. I became the <laughs> awkward fourth wheel. Yeah. We only had three, and now we've got four. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, I, I started and I had ideas. I'm like, oh, I like watching these YouTuber things. So I started branching off into YouTube, but then, you know, just became a, a 
consumed with it, I guess, way. I just wanted to put more and more out there, but then I couldn't find, like, at that time, a, a work-life balance. How are, because you're putting so much stuff out there, how are you able to can have, like, a kind of a, don't go insane with all this different content, but you're able to have, a, like, a work-life balance, in, in a sense? Uh, I mean, it's funny, because I don't, I, I, I really, I, I, I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm not working at my day job, I'm working on this. Mm-hmm. So I'll admit there are times where it's a little bit more lax and it's not as gung ho. Uh, we're in the middle of award season right now. So things are just constantly go, 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 go here. Oh, yeah. Um, today included, like I have a jam packed schedule today. As soon as I'm done, you know, interviewing with you, uh, I did a podcast this morning. I have other shows to edit afterwards. I have to work on some things on the back end for the site. Then I have an award show this evening uh, that I'm a part of. I'm a member of the Critics' Choice Association, and we have the inaugural Super Awards tonight. So I want to be a part of that. Um, so there, there's always something going on all the time. And I think that you know the pandemic has made it both um, – easier and harder in some ways because uh, it's easier because you're able to do a, a lot more it's harder because you're missing that communal aspect you're missing that ability to be with people whether it's at a screening or if it's you know the post screening after parties and you really get a chance to interact with people that made the movie the people that worked on the movie and get a sense for um the how tight the community actually is and um I really think that at the end of the day, like if you just surround yourself with like-minded people that love this stuff as much as you do, like it doesn't matter if it's not paying the bills or whatever it is. That's what the day job's for. The day job is there to pay the bills so that you can do this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, um, at least that's the way I've always looked at it. Yeah, that's that's a that's kind of a good way. Like I, that's one thing I've was I'm thankful for. I have a lot of connections with some of the like, YouTuber creators and stuff like that, where I can be able to have like, hey, you want to be on, and we can we can talk something like that. Because I I like talking people, but usually on my stuff, it's like it's usually kind of like one person things, and but I'm able to like ask the guys or ask somebody else that I know just to hop on and just talk movies, and that's the best thing is kind of forming a community where you can just you're like minded, and even if you disagree on like a certain movie. You can have good constructive conversations about why you liked it or why you didn't like it, what didn't work for you, what didn't work for you. And I think that's mm -hmm. having that community aspect where you can be able to uh, like-minded people or people that you know have different opinions too, be able to just talk movies. And that's the everybody can look at a movie differently, and that's kind of good conversation to come out of film at the times too. Yep. So, so, uh, so yeah. So you were talking about uh, about how the pandemic has kind of changed things a little bit. So, looking at this award season, I got to pick your brain here since we have you here. Um, which streaming service is going to pop that cherry and be the first next best picture from a from a streaming service? Honestly, my money is still on Netflix this year because I just honestly think that. There's a couple of different things. There's a couple of different ways to look at this. Number one is if it wasn't for Netflix, this year would have been so much worse for all of us in terms of <laughs> <Yes>. content. They <laughs> still were able to supply a tremendous amount of content while we were all sitting at home during quarantine, bunkered down. And I feel like if it wasn't for Netflix leading the charge in streaming, uh, that this, I don't know what we would have done during quarantine, to be honest with you. Um, so there are other streaming services, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Netflix has just been steadily, you know, every year with Mudbound, Roma, last year with the uh, Marriage Story and the Irishman. 
uh, just constantly like pushing and pushing and pushing and getting closer to that best picture win. And this year, I genuinely feel that they have a real shot with the trial of the Chicago seven because, uh, and, and so many people will like roll their eyes and groan at me when I say that, because, you know, it's not everyone's favorite movie necessarily, but I do think that it is the most agreeable middle of the road, like average movie, like kind of like that King's speech type of movie where it's like, nobody's like that passionate about it, but like everybody, you know, you sit, you sit a majority of people down in front of it and they can all get behind it. At, it's you know, accessible for everybody. Yeah. And when I say everybody, you got to, you got to step outside of the, the bubble. Yeah, yeah. You got to step outside of the film, Twitter bubble, the film critics bubble. You got to ask yourself what, what's in the mainstream viewers out there. Like, because the Academy is not just highbrow, you know, artsy film people. They're also businessmen who only care about the commerce side of the business. There mm -hmm. are people who, you know, honestly, like just view cinema, maybe not even as an art form, but just as a piece of entertainment. And I do believe Travel to Chicago 7 is that movie that kind of touches on every single aspect, you know, that it's got something to say. It also has a lot of timely subjects that I think will like encapsulate 2020 in a, in a major way for a lot of people. It, like I'm telling you right now, it's not the best choice, you know, but very rarely does the Academy ever do the best. I mean, we saw that last year with parasite, but that is something that so, so, so rarely happens a lot of the time. It's just more along the lines of take 9,000 people and ask them all, what was their favorite movie? And a lot of the times it is not the number one film that the critics would lead you to believe or people on the internet would lead you to believe. It's more of this like kind of average film that maybe it's like that seven out of 10 movie, not that 10 out of 10 movie. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Well, and I think, I think Aaron Sorkin also has, has this, this way of making the smart accessible too. Where he can he can write his very smart script and and craft a story in a way that that everyone can can understand and get behind, and and I think he's one of the rare people that can find a way to do that. I mean, even go back as far as A Few Good Men and The American President. I mean, nobody hates those movies, right. which is kind of what you need to find in in that movie that's going to be a Best Picture winner. And people will always hate everything, even the oh, most critically like well adorned <laughs> movie will always have its detractors. W what you're looking for is you're looking for a movie that, uh, like I said, can satisfy all different types of groups, you know, and sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. Uh, sometimes it doesn't matter. Um, and that's like kind of like where I'm starting to get nowadays is I'm starting to like become i think it's like a sign that i'm getting older because I'm, be I'm becoming like less of an idealist in terms of like what a best picture win should represent and just more of like hey you know what i like i like analyzing the race and it's fun to see what's up what's down you know and what's happening in the little intricacies of the race but the ultimate winner like guys we're gonna move on a little bit like like all the discourse from last year especially over a film like say joker for example does anyone still give a shit at this point <laughs> like i don't you know and it's like that's thing like for a time there will be these raging hot debates and there will be a lot of back and forth a lot of conversation and people will be up in arms and there might be some lasting legacies of some movies that you know carry on in the future but you can't really assess that 
until you get really far removed. I mean, like super far removed. Yeah, you know, where I mean, you think about like how we're, I don't know, twenty years removed now from uh, Gladiator winning Best Picture. You know, and gla- I mean, no, even more than that. Now we're in twenty twenty one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> A Beautiful Mind. Uh, well, Gladiator won in 2001. Sure, I mean, it was sure. It was around this time, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I always go by film year. That's, yeah, that's we did too. Thing. We did too. So. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, and then you ask yourself, okay, well, what's the lasting legacy of Gladiator? It revitalized the sand and, uh, this, the sandal and sword, you know, epic yeah. genre for a little bit. Hollywood started making more of those. They didn't yeah. turn out to be box office hits. And so it quickly died again. Um, Russell Crowe became you know, a household leading man certifiably at that point with that movie. Um, And he enjoyed a good run there for a bit. Now look at him, you know, and Ridley Scott is, you know, God bless Ridley Scott. I love that he's still working. He's incredibly inconsistent. Yes, he is. (laughs) I mean, so what is going to be the lasting legacy of whatever wins best picture this year? You know, in the end, I don't think that people's anger holds on for, so so long because they just move on to something new eventually at some point you know what i mean um there are things to get certifiably angry about like i could be angry and blue in the face or red in the face i mean either one really it depends am i uh getting all hot and flustered or am i getting suffocated um by green buck beating um uh uh, roma or uh yeah Crash beating Brokeback Mountain, for example, are like two of the, I think, biggest, most unifying best picture upsets that people are like, ah, and will forever be in that mode about for a very, very long time. But everything else is kind of like in this gray area of, you know, majority of people like it. It depends how big that majority lead is, though, you know? Yeah. It's so if we're basing it like out of 100, you know, Gladiator, looking back on it, you know, when we talk about a majority, maybe only 52% of people liked Gladiator, but that's still a majority, you know? Yeah. Um, Parasite was probably like a freaking 90%, you know, or something like that. So that's why you see like everybody's so unified about it. Um, but yeah, it's all just varying degrees of majority rules, essentially, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Last couple of weeks, I've been kind of texting my friend who's been like, "What should I watch of 2019 movies?" And I was like, "Well, here's my top ten. You're probably not going to like all of them, and mm-hmm. or whatever." And he was slowly making his way down the list, and he came across, you know, two movies I really loved at the top of my list was Parasite last year and Uncut Gems. That's what he what he, he said. Uncut Gems was good, but I couldn't really get into. I have a hard time with gambling stuff, so I really didn't uh, like that too much. But Parasite, I thought I was not going to like this movie, but it was so good. But the only thing he always he was he's kind of like the average, like kind of a normal, like you know, goes to the movie every once in a while type of guy. And so he watched Parasite, but he always him and his wife both really liked the movie, but they said subtitles. It was like I didn't like I didn't even mind reading the subtitles, but that's the whole thing. It's like this is a film that everybody kind of agrees is like the best movie from last year, but it's for whatever reason the subtitle thing is a lot of people have a hurdle of getting over. And I think that's the uh that's something that it's it's kind of tough, I guess, a tough sell for some people. But I'm just glad that Parasite was the clear and obvious winner and actually got the win last year too. The best way to get your friends into subtitled movies is to not show them subtitled movies at home. Mm. You need to bring them to a movie theater so that they can't escape 
They are forced to pay attention. They they can't look at their phone. But because that's how majority of people watch movies. They put it on as like background noise, as just something to put on while they're folding laundry or cooking or whatever. Like people don't, and I, and I mean this like seriously, like when you step outside of once again, the bubble of like film Twitter or anything like that, people do not watch movies with a level of concentration like we do. Yeah. And even like when I go back home and I, you know, see my parents and I'm like, Hey, these are some of my favorite movies from this year. I'd love to show them to you guys. They're like, Oh great. Sure. Like my mom will still like be texting my sister on her phone during the movie or God forbid the phone rings. They have to pause it and they have to answer it. Me when I'm watching a movie, I'm just like off, you know, like, jacked in. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying, you know, because it's really, really hard when you're at home, but like, that's what the movie theater experience is like. So yeah, you got, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The movie, ex- movie theater experience. Yeah. That's another one. My, my wife was like, I have no interest in watching parasite, like no interest. And she bought me it for Christmas on 4k. And she's like, part of your gift is I'll watch these movies that I bought you for Christmas as well. And I was like, <laughs> we're watching parasite. Then that's the first movie we watched. Yeah, and how did she like it? She's like, I can't stop thinking about this movie. Like two days later. Good. Like, See, she liked it, and she again, she's the kind of casual, and she was folding the laundry. So I was, but I was like making sure I was like I was. If she was looking down, I was reading the subtitles to her. I was like, you got to watch this part come out. And she's like, then she like she's automatically stopped, and she's like, the last, especially the last like the thirty minutes or forty minutes, the last hour after the big twist happens, you know, yeah, she stopped and was like glued to it. But at the same time, like she's like, this is way way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, Bong Joon-ho said it best during the Golden Globes acceptance speech. Once you get over the uh, barrier subtitles, you will see that there is like such a whole like new world of great films out there. And I listen, you know, like I said, going through different phases of your cinematic journey. You know, I, too, went through an adverse like, ah, you know, like I'm not about that, you know, subtitles and stuff. And once I opened myself up to it, I was like, holy shit, like because it's you know because then it's also just not modern foreign language films yet you can go back and there are so many incredible movies and then next thing you know you start diving into like the criterion collection and things like that like i have you know you could probably see it in the background over over there um it's just like a never-ending um like a never-ending treasure chest you know, of just constant gems that are being pulled out. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Oh my God. I watched this. This was great too. You know? And there's that sense of discovery. And I think that's like something that's also super important about like expanding your horizons is one of the reasons why we get so excited about movies. I think at least I still do is that sense of discovery. It's that sense of, I don't know who this director is. I don't know who these actors are, um, but we're going to give this a shot and we're going to see what happens. And when you do have that, you know, moment where you're like, wow, totally bu- caught me by surprise, amazing filmmaking, great story, amazing acting, whatever it might be, you know, then you become a little bit more like of a champion for that movie and you're like passionate about it. Um, and I don't know. I think people are drawn to passion. So yeah. that's that's a really neat thing. We actually <laughs> found one of those last week. Uh, the other two guys that are on our main episodes oh, yeah. found uh, a film called Strummer on amazon prime it literally yeah. has five votes on imdb right now oh wow <laughs> wow that is yeah. not a lot and, and they and they both loved it i haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet but the, it, it was one of those like we just found it randomly and it's awesome 
and yeah, so it's it's let's let's see how many votes we could get this thing. So I I totally get that that vibe of, of discovery. And then once you discover it, you got to tell as many people about it as you can too. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, I, I like the point that you made about um, how you know the legacy of a best picture win isn't I mean doesn't necessarily last that long. And I think definitely for this year, the legacy isn't going to necessarily be what wins best picture, but it's going to be the pandemic and the effect that it's had on on the film industry in general. Um, I was wondering how you prognosticate how the next year or two are, are going to go as we come out of this pandemic. What, what do you see going back to normal? What do you see not changing that's, that's changed? Uh, especially looking at like awards races. What, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you see is, uh, has, has changed forever or what do you see is going to slide right back into what it was? I think the biggest thing that is going to continue on is I really do believe that we're going to continue to have a hybrid of streaming and theater going. You know, it used to be that going to the movie theater was the dominant way to consume this art form. Mm -hmm. But because of the reliance on streaming this year and the fact that it's the only way to watch new movies, um, it's the only way to attend virtual Q&As, it's the only way to do after parties, quote unquote, you know, it's like, there's a part of me that now thinks that especially with like film festivals moving forward, that there is going to be some sort of a in-person communal theater going experience, but the option will be there to do it online. Now, like from a film festival standpoint, I do think that if you decide to do it um, remotely online, I think they will have like a reduced slate. Mm. So you won't be able to see like everything necessarily, but I think that's kind of like a fair and balanced way to do it for moving forward. This way you open up access, you can get more coverage out of it. Um, You're still allowing, you know, new up and coming journalists to get a chance to cover these festivals and these movies that maybe don't have the means to travel to the festival. Cause I'll tell you this, they're super expensive. And once again, I'm thankful I have a day job to pay for those expenses, you know? Um, But there are some people genuinely who don't have a day job. Uh, They do this full time and the expenses are rough. I totally get it, you know? So um, I I think that's one thing that you'll see. I do think that, you know, one thing that we talk about next best picture, I'm sure you've heard us say it on the main show before, is that kind of like how the record players and records were the way to listen to music. Um, Eventually they were replaced by, you know, eight track tapes, discs, um, then discs were replaced by streaming and digital but like record players still exist and you could still buy records and you could still go to a record store. So I think that with streaming and going to the theaters, I don't think theaters are ever going to go away. I think they're going to get reduced. I think they're going to downsize. And I think it's going to be something that you maybe reserve for something very special, but I really do believe that streaming will overtake theaters as the dominant way to consume the media for the longest time i fought against that reality because there was always this idea that it had to be all or nothing and that was what it was going to be like theaters were going to just permanently close down they weren't going to be a thing anymore and people were talking in those terms now that we've actually seen this year play out and we've seen in real time in reality how the theaters have handled this crisis how the movie studios have handled this crisis there's been a lot of trial and error you know, nothing's perfect necessarily, but I do believe that the hybrid model is the way to go. 
to satisfy everything for moving forward. What that means, though, is that the movies that do go to theaters are going to be just the big studio temple films that make the billion dollars. You're, you're probably not going to be able to go to the theaters to see an independent film made by Focus Features, for example. Um, I mean, you probably still will be able to. Don't get me wrong. Like, for example, like right now, Promising Young Woman is playing um, in theaters, and then three weeks later, it's available on VOD. I think that that is something that you will continue to see even as theaters begin to reopen. I think that that is something that not only will we continue to see that continue to happen, but I think that other studios are going to adopt it and you're going to have your theater exclusives and your streaming exclusives on top of that. You know what I mean? So it's going to be kind of all over the place. So it's yeah. Yeah. So, so now do you think, um, the Academy and some of their temporary exceptions they put in place for 2020 mm-hmm. are going to become permanent as early as this year of, no. of you don't need to have that, that theatrical run. So, so if it's no, ha, did Warner brothers in saying their whole slates going to HBO max, did they just disqualify their entire slate from being Oscar eligible? No, or- no, I, 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 to be honest with you, the answer to that is you're under these current rules. No, but under next year's rules, yes. However, we don't know what next year's rules are. Right. I think I think it stands to reason, like I said, that I I think that, for example, like we've we've seen this happen this year where movies that were streaming only, quote unquote, yeah. they did get released in like a theater or two here or there. Like they may not have been in New York City, for example but they might've been in upstate New York or on Long Island, New York. And thus they get that qualifying run in and they're able to, you know, get in now with HBO max. I don't think they're going to do that with all of their movies, but you know, hear me out on this. I think that that is like kind of the way that you can for now get around that. And LA has got drive-ins, you know, LA is doing a lot of drive-ins from what I'm seeing. So if they do say uh, you have to be in New York and LA for, you know, the qualifying run, um next year um i do think that they will find a way to get around that even if theaters are in their reduced capacity the way that they are right now with that said i believe that the streaming rules will carry over to next year because we still don't know how long the vaccine is going to take this year so i think it's better to uh play it safe than sorry and on top of that um, I implore, I beg, I, I don't care if no one's listening. I'm still going to say it anyway. Um, I really, 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 really do not want them to offer an extension window next year um, because this whole January and February qualifying uh, release for this year's Academy Awards is forever fucking up my timelines over at Next Best Picture <laughs> and everybody's timelines over what is a 2020 movie versus what is a 2021 movie. And a lot of times we do go by like the Oscar qualifying year to help settle that debate sometimes. And that is just thrown out the window now. So it's very confusing and I hope that they don't do it again. It's like we're back in the thirties and forties trying to figure out what goes with what year and, and, uh, Oscar run. Well, not to mention they they gave this extension so that this way the big studio temple films could have time to come out later. So it's like, oh, you're releasing in November. Oh, we'll give you January, February if you want to push your release out to January or February. And guess what? They moved it to 2021 even deeper. They didn't even bother to take them up on that. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, 
ah, oh, man, it, 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 it really annoys me. Like, it genuinely annoys me because all these movies that you're now seeing that are being released uh, this time uh, in January and also what you will see next month in February all could have just been December releases. They all could have been November releases. And it's all for nothing, really. Yeah. You know, No Time to Die will still come out later in 2021. Dune will still come out later in 2021. Like all these movies that they were hoping to give a little bit of time to so that they could, you know, hopefully open in theaters. It was it was a terrible decision. I I, I resent them for it. I will forever hate them for it. And I pray to God they don't do it again next year. <laughs> the uh, Going back to the, the Oscar run window too, it's like a lot of the stuff that are going to get the... Oscar, I'm mean, like we're to, to, trying to figure out what's a 2000 movie what's, or 2020 movie, which 2021. The biggest glaring, like, what the heck move? What year does this fall? Is nine days mm-hmm. because a lot, so many people watched it in 2020, but it's getting like a June release day, like a release date. Well, that's definitely a 2021 movie um, right. because okay. yeah, because the festival run doesn't doesn't qualify. It has to actually have a theatrical release, okay, which nine days did not have, and it truly has been pushed out into 2021. Okay. Well, perfect, and that, that that's good for me because that's like I made sure I put that on my most anticipated list for 2021 because that's the one I've been looking forward to forever. I I mean I can speak to it a little bit. I saw it at uh, at Sundance where it premiered uh, this past year, and it blew my mind. And it's freaking awesome. A it lot of people really really crap. awesome movie. A lot of people might give me crap for Winston Duke. How is he in this movie? <laughs> he is so good in this. Oh my god, he is so good. I I'm really really excited for people to check out this movie. Now I know why Adam wants to see this movie. He just is in love with Winston Duke. Yeah, man, Winston okay. Duke. He's the best. He's the best Marvel. Who uh, is it? He's uh, great. Yeah. He's great. Is he the Is he the next Black Panther? Uh, it, it sounds like that. You know, like it's be that way. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. Uh, to be honest with you, like, and this is like I said, this might be a sign that I'm getting older. I don't obsess over such things. Yeah. <laughs> I think about it for like a minute and then I move on to the next thing, you know? Um, Me too. I don't get, you I, just saw my minute. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get like held up on things like that. I don't get held up on like things like the Snyder Cut or, you know, a- anything that like dominates this level of conversation. I think about everything in terms of awards. Yeah. That is what dominates and occupies my mind space. And once again, I just don't let stuff bother me. Um, I mean, I mean, granted, I'll let some stuff bother me, but I try not to, I, I, I try to draw attention to it in a constructive, positive way that is hopefully going to actually, um, you know, bring about some form of positivity out of it whether it's awareness or actions uh, from others that people can take to uh, right an injustice or whatever it might be. But I don't bemoan the fact that like some unjust, great injustice happened and harp on it forever and ever and ever, because, you know, once again, I'm trying to bring together a community. I'm not trying to foster divide and negativity. I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, create a place where people, you know, want to come together to discuss the things that they love. And part of that sometimes is about voicing what they're very passionate about. And that can also be something that they feel is lacking within the industry, what the industry should be doing better. And that is completely fine, completely, completely fine. But like, I don't, I don't want to be known for being a negative podcast. You know, yeah. I don't want to be known for, you know, hopping on the air and there is angry Matt on a soapbox being angry again, you know, it's like, no, that's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. And totally. Okay. If there's people out there that want to do it, I believe that that needs to exist and that's totally fine. And that there's a space for that, but um, that's just not what, that's just not what I want to do. 
that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, going back to your kind of awards film, I know that you all you've said this a couple of times before that you rely on your parents uh, watching these uh, pit movies quite a bit, and that's where you're kind of judging where these best pictures go. How accurate are your parents in predicting the best picture? Oh, this is really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, because okay. So sometimes when you are in it, like really in it all the time, like I said, I think about the stuff 24 seven, it can be very, very easy to get tunnel vision and get lost in it and lose sight of what is actually happening. And I do look at my parents as kind of a good barometer for, all right, what does that older demographic of the Academy that they enjoy movies, but they're not held. Like I said, they're not getting held up on the things that, you know, people on, social media are getting held up on and stuff like they're still just watching a movie and maybe they're not so attuned to the things that, you know, are quote unquote considered woke or whatever. Right. So that's what I use my parents for is I try to use them as like that other perspective because until a day comes where that perspective truly dies off, like it's still there. It's a reality and we all need to be very aware of what that reality could be. And that's what I think helps me with like, you know, my Oscar predictions is that I look at everything from so many different angles. I don't just look at it from, Oh, this is what I want. This is what I want to see happen. Yeah. And I'm going to will it into existence by just keep saying it over and over. This is what I want. That's not the way that this works. Like nobody cares about what I want. Nobody cares about what you want. Nobody cares about what the other person wants. All that matters is your connection to the art form between you and the film that you're watching. Everything else is like, honestly, kind of all stuff that we create in our minds um, in terms of perception, momentum, buzz, narrative, like all this is something that like, and once it starts, you can't stop it. Um, It's very, very hard to stop like a narrative build up for something once it has started. But at the end of the day, you could build up a narrative for someone in the phase that we're in now, the critics phase in award season, and it may not translate with Academy voters. Why? Maybe they thought the movie was slow and boring. Mm. Maybe it had content in it that they thought was too taboo and it rubbed them the wrong way. I still to this day, like, am so annoyed that the favorite lost original screenplay to Green Book. It like it bugs me so, so much. Um once again, I don't let it dominate my life decisions and I don't let it get me down, but it, it does bug me, right? Because no. that is such a better crafted uh, screenplay in so many ways. But like I showed both of those movies to my parents. My parents found one to be weird and vulgar and totally out there and the other to be digestible entertainment. And I don't agree with it, but that's the perspective that you need in order to do this well, to get your head out of your own ass sometimes, you know? Um, which is why, you know, it's like all these quote unquote lame movies this year that, you know, a lot of us are myself included, like not too thrilled about, uh, you can't write them off completely just yet, you know? And like this idea of like, what is an Academy movie is changing as the Academy grows, as it diversifies, as it allows younger members in what, what I keep laughing about sometimes with people, cause like as for, long as I've been doing this now. Um, and there have been people who have been doing it a hell of a lot longer than I have. I can't help but feel like we've always been saying the same thing. Oh, one day when the older generation dies off, you know, oh, the academy is changing every day. And it's like, well, where's the proof? You know, yeah. and I think at the end of the day, the reality is that you will never have a permanent change where every single win that you want will happen. It is a pendulum that just swings back and forth. 
constantly between what you want and the reality and what you didn't want. And it's just, it is what it is. Right. And this is why like, you just can't get so held up on it and you need to be like, all right, well, you know what? My team lost this time around, but we'll come back next year. Sports. Nobody has a perfect season, multiple seasons in a row forever until the end of kingdom come. You lose at a certain point. You lose. Winning and losing is part of life, you know? And it's the same way with the Oscars and your favorites and what you want to see happen. Now, if you're constantly losing all the time and you still want to stay in the game, good for you. But if you're constantly losing all the time and you're going to let that negativity, you know, seep into how you conduct yourself online and how you view the Oscars and you're going to like hate watch the Oscars and stuff, then it's like a little self-care. Like, what, like I, don't, I don't know what to tell you at that point, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask, do you have like a favorite call you made that was like, I nailed that one. I knew that was going to happen and it happened. Ooh. Ooh. You got to bring up Todd's videos too, Terry. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. My, my a... brother is usually our Oscar prognosticator and, and like mm-hmm. some of his favorites, he, like he, he predicted the Tilda Swinton, Michael Clayton win. Oh, um, he saw the good. narrative and how it went. He also uh, he also called the secret in their eyes when that one foreign film out of nowhere. And mm. and so those are some of his his like tent pole. I knew that was going to happen, and and he got it. But, but uh, he also his brother also writes articles like in January, yeah, following Oscar season, like movies and like not that we don't have no idea about. He goes like just researches it and like. But cool thing with him, like he predicted Birdman was going to be a Best Picture nominee at least. I can't remember if it was a win or not, but he predicted. Yeah, a year before, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Anyways, yeah. do you have do you have a, a favorite a favorite prediction that you made that that happened? Uh, I have a couple. Um, off the top of my head, I, I mean, and this wasn't I don't think hard necessarily, but I remember just in the moment. Shape of Water, Get Out, and Three Billboards heading into that Best Picture race that year. We all knew Guillermo del Toro was winning director, but Best Picture was still like a question mark. And there were some people that thought that Get Out was surging at the last minute and was going to win screenplay and picture. Um, because now, you know, nowadays, ever since Spotlight's win, you can do that now. And it's like, <laughs> it, it, it screws with my brain so much all the time because I'm like, oh, best picture doesn't have to win anything else outside of screenplay. And, you know, cause I used to like automatically disqualify stuff uh, based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, not anymore. So that makes it a little bit more fun. But, um, and then there were people that thought three billboards. Cause there were some people who thought billboards was, we all knew Francis and Sam were winning, but then the question was, well, do you have a winning screenplay? I do. Do you have a winning picture then? And you got to remember like it won those four at um, Golden Globe and BAFTA as well. So, you know, it wasn't a bad idea to go with your gut instinct there. Me, I saw that Shape of Water had the PGA, the Critics' Choice, and I remember like kind of like assessing and weighing that combination plus the DGA for um, Guillermo del Toro and putting that up against the Golden Globe and BAFTA wins for three billboards and uh, the love that Get Out had, the box office, the buzz, and so on and so forth. And I remember just being one of the few that called that, and I felt pretty good about that. Um, another one was... Um, I this is like a more obscure one, but I was really, really proud to call Emily Blunt's SAG win for A Quiet Place. Ah, um, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Regina King was not nominated, and there was like this whole debate over, oh, are you going to give it to Rachel Weiss or Amy Adams? And I was like, ah, 
I was like, I, I, I have a weird feeling it's going to go to uh, Emily Blunt. And like, so like this, like this year, I, I'm, I don't normally go off on a, you know, on the deep end and predict something is so wild and away from the pack. But the only thing that I am kind of like, I still have this weird feeling. I got this really, really weird feeling about it, and I can't quite shake it. Is I am predicting Wolf Walkers over Soul at the moment, which feels like, dude, like what are you smoking? Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> and I am very, very well aware that it is. Yeah, it's one of those gut intuition things where it's like I could see an upset coming, and you know, think about how few people last year predicted that Bong Joon Ho over Sam Mendes uh, win and director. Like that was considered. Uh, an upset in a lot of ways. Now, listen, it's still preliminary. If Seoul wins everything, Globe, Critics' Choice, PGA, BAFTA, like Wolf Walkers doesn't have a shot in hell. Yeah, and yeah. obviously I'll predict Seoul, you know, but like all it takes once you get to the major awards, because the critics, you know, the critics, they help with narrowing down the field to certain movies. But it's not until you get to Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice that then you start realizing, okay, like, what are the big wins that people have in their, like, arsenal that they are heading into Oscar night with that you can predict an actual win out of? So until we get there, I can't say for sure. But um, I will say, like, over the last couple of years in terms of nominations, um, I've done a really, really bad job (laughs) with advocating for something to get nominated and then it, like, not happening. Uh, you know, I, I, I was really, really going gung ho for Tony Collette and hereditary in 2018. I wanted to see that happen so badly. I was like, embrace horror, embrace genre. You can do it, you know, and they didn't do it. Um, this year I'm all about promising young woman. I'm all in on that movie. That's my number one favorite film of the year. It has been since Sundance. I will be very happy if that movie receives anything. I don't care if it's just a lone screenplay nomination. If it gets any nomination, like that'll be, I'll be very, very satisfied with that. But I also don't go too crazy with those things. Like I don't um, pick too many movies to predict as like, yes, this is the one I'm going to try and will into existence. Cause like I said, willing something into existence, I do feel is a bit of a futile endeavor, but I'd like to keep it to like one thing per year, just so that this way I could kind of keep my own sanity. Um, and a lot of times I like to make it something that is, the potential really is there that it could happen. Me knowing the Academy, the way that I do knowing past trends, like I, I don't like writing stuff off, but because I don't want to be condescending to people that really want certain things to happen. But you hear people advocating for movies that are like just purely film critic type of movies. And you're like, that's never going to happen. That's yeah. never going to happen. You know why? Cause if you show that movie to like, you know, I'm telling you that older demographic, like your parents and stuff, most of the time they're going to like not, dig it you know and that's what the academy is the academy is a wide spectrum of people you know it's a wide spectrum of people and yes it is predominantly still you know male and white um you know that's shrinking but still there so you gotta look at it through that lens and you know you gotta do your best when you're doing your predictions too um i will say since 2018 i've taken the approach of um, I'm just going to go with like the lamest choices I possibly can. That's probably what the Academy is going to end up doing. And then if I'm wrong, then I'll be deeply satisfied. And that's awesome then, you know, but uh, before that, I would say um, I was always predicting, you know, Oh, like 
I, I really, really love this performance. I really want this one to get in. And look, look how many critics citations they received. And, you know, they were nominated here Talking and here. Exactly. Exactly. The evidence is there. But you are talking yourself into it. Now I'm like, no. Like, they, you know, just like snap out of it. You know, people people will, I, I, I don't know. It's like I, I, people, people will, I don't want to say respect you, but they will pay attention more when you're right uh, than when you're wrong. Um, and like I said, I'm not really too concerned about whatever people think necessarily. But at the same time, it's like one of those things where I want to be right. You know, for me, I, I want to be right. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I like I like your uh, Wolf Walkers over Soul. I, I love both. It, <laughs> it is a long shot. You it know? is definitely a long shot. But I, I I liked I watched Wolf Walkers the other day, and I was like, man, that was probably my favorite one that they that studio has done. But yeah, it's a, it's gonna be a long shot. Soul is a pretty dang uh, solid contender right there. Mm -hmm. It'd be a shot simply just for stature's sake, and it it remind me of like. In, in 2006, when like Pan's Labyrinth was like the shoe in for foreign film and it was getting all these other nominations, like, what's this little film, The Lives of Others, that, that ended up winning? And then everybody saw it and went, oh, that, that's a really, really good movie, too. That's why it won. Okay. But yep. it, it's kind of that, I'll, we'll discover it later if it ends up winning. Um, that, but just because of the stature of the film, we don't necessarily, no one knows what, what it has yet. Yeah. yeah. Klaus was the other one that was like on the cusp of like possibly winning because they won that like the animated film award or whatever over Toy Story mm -hmm. 4 last year. Yep. So and the BAFTA. Well, the momentum's going for Klaus. I'll pick Klaus. And that was like one of the four ones I missed. I was like, darn it. I and, that, and that's the evidence that everybody's using against me this year with my Wolfwalkers prediction. They're like, Matt, even last year in a year where it was, you know, pretty split, they still went with, with the uh, Pixar Disney film. Like, come on. And I, like I said, I'm in full acknowledgement. I agree with it. I I want to see which way to win still blows. I'm not ready. Because you know what, something? If I turn out to be right, everyone will remember that I was in on it this early. Everyone will remember that. And now there's video and audio proof of it, too. There you go. There you go. You know, like my one big regret um, in terms of predicting was 2016 because I was predicting Moonlight for the longest time and everybody was like no it's gonna be la la land it's gonna be la la land look at all the shit that la la land has won look at all the stuff that continues to win like it's gonna be la la land and i was just like president trump is now uh, like donald trump is now president like i was like mm, i think that's gonna mean something you know and like i and everybody called me crazy and everybody thought i was like you know no matt it's it's clearly the number two but it's not gonna happen you know and at the last minute, I switched my prediction to La La Land because, quite honestly, like it was a little hard to see after it winning PGA, the DGA, the Globe, yeah. uh, the BAFTA. Like, I mean, La La Land won like every Best Picture prize you could possibly imagine, and it was clearly going to win the most awards. It was nominated for the most awards uh, ever, fourteen nominations. It just seemed like it was written in stone, and then that night when. It won. I was like, all right, well, I got best picture, right? And then Moonlight White, Moonlight won. And then I was like, I didn't get this picture right, but I got it right in my heart. And I was like, <laughs> like, I definitely felt like I still still called that, even though officially, like on paper, I didn't. Um, I, I I I always had this inclination, this feeling. Um, but then again, I was wrong in 2018. I was wrong with Roma. You know, I I thought when Roma won the BAFTA, I was like, okay, like Roma just won. You know, the BAFTA, one critic's choice. It's going to win director for Quran. Yeah. Like, 
and I and, and I do believe that was one of those things where I talked myself into it. And so, listen, not predicting nominations versus predicting wins are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of different uh, aspects go into each. I was just telling somebody on Twitter uh, a little while ago, you know, momentum and buzz, which is something that the critics can help with. It's just one factor. It's not the yeah. be all end all. So when you start seeing somebody winning a ton of critics groups and everything, they could still miss a nomination. Because there are other factors at play other than the fact that you see they're constantly winning all these groups and all these prizes. Look at Ethan Hawk for First Reformed. <laughs> Ethan Hawk for First Reformed, by all accounts, should have gotten a Best Actor nomination in 2018. And I, I keep always looking at that 2018 year, and I always use it as the example of, you know, broken hopes and dreams. Like, we all had so many hopes and dreams for that year and so many movies. Like, if Beale Street could talk, 8th Grade, Widows, First Man, like, all these movies that, like, we look back on now and we're like, man, those were freaking great movies. And they, the Academy went with Bohemian, Rhapsody, Vice, Cream Book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say, yeah, we, uh, yeah, those, yeah, those movies were, uh, yeah, it was when, weird that they, they, they were movies, you know. They were, they were movies. They were made. <laughs> yeah. Uh we don't. Have, I don't want to take too much of your time because I know we're getting a couple more questions for you. Uh, just kind of yeah. random ones for you. We had a, a conversation. We do power rankings every single week on our po- the, the main podcast, and they always guess my list. Okay, cool. However, this last podcast, I just want to see what, how you take this list and what would you think. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> what is your favorite unwarranted murder in a movie? Okay, so like for example, like that person didn't need to get murdered, sort of thing. Didn't need to get right, murdered, right? Yes. Unnecessary. Billy cost Billy cost again. The Departed. Okay, okay. That's yeah. They the Departed's like one of my favorite movies. So they uh, they stick that for my that my list, and I didn't put it down. So it 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 shocked me so much, Mm -hmm. and it's like one of the most. It's one of the best out of nowhere death scenes I've ever seen in a movie in my life. But man, did it suck. And I was so upset by it because like he had won. He had gotten Matt Damon. He had him in that elevator. And I was so, so happy in that moment for him. And uh. <laughs> and he was just taken to us way too soon. He was about yeah, to get back. On, that really should have been on my list. I don't know why. That should have been on my list too. <laughs> so we all <laughs> took it a different way. And the guy who came up with that list was like, you guys messed up my idea. This is not what I picked. <laughs> so we all, we all had four, four of us, and we all had four completely different lists taking it. So it's just it's kind of fun uh, to do that. We should probably get you on for one of those Power Rankings episodes. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Anyway, uh, Terry, you had a que- do you have any other questions for Matt? Yeah, uh, so you mentioned your your vast Criterion collection that you have there. Is, is there one that's like your favorite, your your crown jewel favorite oh, one you've God. got? Oh, uh, God. That's really tough. I mean... <laughs> that's really tough you know like these are the greatest movies of all time so if i had to go with like maybe bang for the buck i really think the decalogue by christoph kislowski is an incredible cinematic achievement and i say cinematic with air quotes because we're we're going through this whole small axe thing with steve mcqueen right 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 now we just deep go that too (laughs) neither here nor there all right but i i really think in terms of like you know you pick up a box and you're just like that that's a lot of great content right there for yeah. a box set, you know. Are, are you going for like completion of the set or like or just as many as you can? No, or no, I favorites? no because it, honestly, the completion thing. Here's the okay. So this has only started to like settle in with me recently. 
for, for all this time, it's always been about, I have either seen this before and I would just want to own it mm -hmm. or I haven't seen this. I've heard about it. I want to see it. Yeah. And what I do with my Criterion collection is I don't just watch them right away. Some of them I let sit there for a while. Um, and what I do is for me, the Criterion collection is actually a never ending journey that I don't ever want to finish. Or if I do finish it, I want to be on my deathbed and I want to watch the final one as I'm about to die. Uh, because I really like to view it as something to always constantly be working on chipping away at. Mm -hmm. um, it helps kind of just keep me, once again, sense of discovery. It's like, oh, I've heard this is great. Well, let me see for myself now. Yeah. Um, and I know that can be a little annoying because, you know, you figure, well, if you just watch them all now and you consume all of that information now it'll make you maybe a better film critic a better this a better that whatever you know because yeah. you're exposing yourself to so much more all well and good i like to view it as like a personal side project in terms of okay like i don't have anything to review tonight i'm not doing a podcast i don't have to watch any new movies let me pop in one of the criterions and this is something that i will continue to do until i am gray yeah uh, we actually had a guy on our podcast uh, his name is daisuke Bebu. uh he was from tokyo and I think I, yeah, yeah, yo yeah i know that guy i yeah. know him yeah I follow, we, I, follow, I follow that guy on youtube yeah he is fantastic i reached out to him because uh, one of another one of our contributors on our sack he uh, he's a huge fan of him as well and he's like try to get this guy to interview him so i, I reached out to him and he actually was on the podcast we were talking about criterion and such an awesome guy. Like, and he was such a good conversation. I'm trying to get him back on to review a Criterion movie with me in the future. But I, yeah, I love this. I just was wondering if you were, you knew him because mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a very knowledgeable guy. And it was, it was fun, fun conversation for sure. So. Oh yeah. He's someone that has the entire collection. No stone left unturned there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every, every new release, he has them and he breaks them down like, so like differently than normal, like YouTube reviewers would do too. So yep. it's like, it's it's definitely awesome, and he's underrated. Is a kind of a good term for him, I think, because he's just kind of under the radar guy, and he doesn't have Twitter or anything like that. But he's if you're listening to this, you know, follow that guy too, because he is some really he's really knowledgeable in uh, film. Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to the Criterion release coming out in a couple months of Secrets and Lies, the Mike Lee movie. Oh, I can't wait! I'm so, so excited. So I, I actually haven't seen that one, but one of the things that I do with my collection of movies is I try to collect all the best picture nominees mm -hmm. and I've got everything back to about 1987 right now. That is actually my, um, yeah, because it's been out of print for years. Yeah. That, that is my new, uh, that is my new thing for 2021 is, um, I actually want to watch all of the best picture winners. Cause I am mm -hmm. ashamed to admit that there are some early ones that I still have not seen. Mm -hmm. Um, but, then on the side, I want to start doing um, the actual owning of the movies on Blu-ray or 4K, whatever is available. Um, I will not buy a DVD. So if it's not on Blu-ray, too bad. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But I will But I will um, start going backwards with that. I I have everything from a late, from I think like the last, I definitely have everything from the last two decades. Uh, so I need to uh, keep going backwards from there and just like fill in little gaps. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, last question, because I know we're uh, yeah, actually, Terry, do you have anything else you want to quickly ask him or anything? I'm, I'm good. Go for it. Okay. So 2021 is here. Was there any like goals that you set for yourself up this up for this upcoming year? 
either yeah. podcast or personal or well you can't mention one but watching all the best picture winners so that yeah yeah ties um, into it, i guess this year this year i want to focus on um doing more interviews uh i've gotten very comfortable with doing interviews i don't do them as often as i probably should um but i also like des i also like delegating them to uh my team as well so with this way they get an opportunity to do them too because you know i i that's the thing it's like there's always this constant balance of like doing everything yourself and then also doing um things that only you can do and you know there are things that you know you do have the opportunity to share with others and believe me when i tell you like my team i love them to death i want to give them as many opportunities as i possibly can so i share as much as i can and so i i think i've gotten to a point where like with my writing i've i've taken a bit of a backseat with the writing a bit more and i'm focusing more on uh interviews now probably for 2021 that's like that's going to be my flip, I think. Because uh, even last year, I wrote less than I probably have ever written before. But um, I didn't do as many interviews as I wanted. So this year, I would like to increase that to a little less writing. Um, but that's mostly because, like I said, it's just gotten to a point where the team is more robust. I realize I don't have to do any everything anymore like I used to. And, you know, that was a hard habit to break because, like, when the site first started and it was just me in the early days, I was doing everything. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I have not broken is I still have not broken the mentality of I have to see everything. I still feel like I have to see everything, even things that are not going to be awards movies. But yeah. that's just like my that is my love for the the art form is I like being able to consume every and any film I can get my hands on. Yeah, that's okay, uh, Terry. How about you? I'm gonna I'll throw that to you, Terry, real because you're here. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, well. We uh, we definitely have been trying to grow the podcast the last year, and uh, we were going every other week. And then once the pandemic hits, like well, we got nothing better to do, so let's just go every week. And I'd love to keep that going through uh, through the next year. One thing I did last year is talking about what I'm going to watch. Uh, I've got a lot of glaring blind spots, and so what I did last year is I put together a list of uh, movie celebrating anniversaries that were nominated or won Oscars. Um, so like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, as far back as I could go. And so I put together a list of 52 of them and watch, just what watch one a week. And I loved it and filled in a lot of those movies I hadn't seen before. Uh, did it again this year. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to tackling another list. And and I, I always have that struggle of what do I want to watch? And then like an hour later, it's like, well, it's too late to actually watch. And I never figured out what I was going to watch. So I love this <laughs> list I can go to and be like, what's the next one on the list? that one got it so that's that's what i'm going for perfect that's awesome Uh, well i guess i got i'll share mine uh obviously i think i agree with you i'm trying to do more interviews as well i love talking about other creators but eventually i would like to have somebody maybe who's been an actor in a movie or a director or something like that too that's just kind of like a little goal i'm trying to set myself so building my uh interview in kind of i guess honing my skills i guess talking to people so can i can i give you one word of advice with that yes sir start small yeah okay if you you know it's like everybody wants the big guns everybody wants the big name stars everybody wants that but you need to you like you legitimately need to start small because nobody uh from the studio publicity side of things is gunning for those ones but they still have to promote them so if they see that you are doing that it's a good opportunity for them to get to know you 
It's mm-hmm. a good opportunity for them to see that you are committed. It's a good opportunity uh, to just build goodwill. And then they okay. will, over time, give you bigger and bigger and bigger. So the the number one thing that you can do is just start. And even if it's something that you are not necessarily the most passionate about, just keep going. Yeah. Well, that's that, that makes, well, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, like I said. Like I try to pull people off. Like I've really never interacted too much with you. I just I, I see your posts and everything. So, but it's like, oh, I'm gonna reach out to you and see what happened. At least that somebody. So somebody I never reached out to. So I really appreciate that advice. I'll, I'll start small and keep going from there. So yeah, man. Yeah, I, I like talking uh, to people. So uh, this is just awesome conversation. So I really appreciate your time. So yeah. I appreciate uh, you guys having me here. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Terry. No, no, I was just saying, thank, thanks so much. And uh, I, uh, I look forward to listening to, uh, to what you got coming up this week. Yeah, well, we just reviewed uh, Pieces of a Woman today. Uh, uh, we're reviewing that tomorrow. Yep. And then tomorrow, as you know, is our main show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have reviews of News of the World, One Night in Miami coming up. Uh, we're also doing a, re- a throwback review of Malcolm X by Spike Ooh. Lee, okay. which I'm really, really excited to talk about. Uh, and then we're also doing a ton of interviews. Uh, we have so many interviews that we've actually done that we've been waiting to release for people to listen to. Uh, mostly because, you know, strategic awards placement. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very, very excited to give people more of an inside look into some of these movies and these beloved titles from this year. Awesome. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, hopefully we can be able to have you back on our podcast uh, this upcoming year as well, either doing the talking movies with you. So that'd be fantastic as well. So I would love to be I would love to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, anyway, guys, uh, actually, let's do a round thing. Where can we find you on YouTube and or podcasts and social media? One last time. Uh, you can find me over at Next Best Picture. Uh, my podcast is called The Next Best Picture Podcast, where we're always looking for the Next Best Picture Oscar winner. And you can subscribe to that anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and we are posted, like I said, anywhere that you look, you can find us. So head on over to nextbestpicture.com, and we will definitely certainly give you your awards fix and a little something else probably on top of that as well. <laughs> Uh, Terry, where can we find you, sir? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at almost side Terry, and uh, you can go to almostsideways.com and uh, and see everything that we've got posted there. And uh, yeah, keep listening to our podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep, and my, and you can find me on uh, our ugh, you can find our website. Uh, you, Twitter is at almost sideways, and I'm on Twitter as well as almost I'm Adam Sideways, and on YouTube as well. So make sure you guys like, share, subscribe our podcast as well as next next picture and again we look forward to talking more movies with you guys until next time we will see you later